This is the Build Our Future podcast. We shape our buildings, and afterwards our buildings shape us. A window into the past, present, and future of the construction industry. There's still a lot of unlocked doors. Clarity with design, craftsmanship with the build. There's still a lot to find out and do and invent. Collaboration for our future. You know, I don't think it's the end of the invention. The Build Our Future podcast with Raul Faria. Let's build. Begins now. Welcome to the Builder Future podcast. Really excited today to have Carl Travis. He is an interior designer with Hager Design International, uh, based in Vancouver. Welcome to the show, Carl. Thanks, Raul. I really appreciate uh, you having me on the on the show here, and I uh, look forward to having a, a really good conversation with you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm especially interested because, you know, you're on the West Coast. I'm not technically on the East Coast. I guess you could say more central in the, in the Toronto area, but uh, I'm always fascinated at not just the construction styles, but different uh, different design styles uh, from from both sides. But uh, before we jump into some of that, uh, why don't you share with our listeners um, a little bit more about yourself, a little bit about your journey until uh, where you got here? Oh, that's a that's a bit of a loaded question. Um, I grew up in Ottawa, and um, I graduated from from school there, and uh, decided to go to university at uh, University of Western Ontario, which is now called Western in London. And um, switched my majors a few times. I was going to go um, through school as, you know, with the uh, intentions of becoming a, a, a pilot. And um, that didn't quite work out. And uh, ended up with a degree in uh, geography. Um, after that degree, I was back and forth from um, from London to Mississauga. My, uh, my dad, my father was a... Uh, in the Air Force, and he took off uh, uh, back to Germany, and uh, I decided that, uh, well, you know, I'm, I like Toronto and all, but uh, I think the West Coast is calling me, so I hightailed it out to Whistler. <laughs> That's such a familiar phrase, eh? <laughs> it, it, it is, it yeah. is. I'd never been to Whistler before, and I had some friends said, you got to come. So I went, um, I went for the winter, stayed for the summer, um throughout all that and and through high school and university um the restaurant industry was really where i i I had my my way paid for me um waitering bartending stuff like that uh lots lots of fun really enjoyed it uh enjoyed the people i worked with really enjoyed uh meeting new people from everywhere especially in whistler everywhere in the world and um you know some famous people as well and um, I was uh, waitering and I was um, uh, managing. I was a bar manager. And, uh, you know, a few years there, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I'll, I'll give Whistler that. Um, the, the summers were fantastic. The winters were fantastic. But uh, I kind of had a calling, I think, for something else. Um, that something else was either going to use my geography degree or... Uh, my restaurant uh, background and I decided that I was going to go back to school uh, at uh, 28 years old and uh, decided I was going to go back to Ottawa where I grew up and I was either going to be through geographic information systems or interior design and uh, I chose interior design with uh, specifically wanting to design restaurants reason for that is because i've worked in a bunch of restaurants and um i always found that 
they were just not designed properly. I was just going to say that you, you probably realized the inefficiencies of layout and oh, where this was compared to that was, and, and it probably frustrated you while you were working in it, right? It's, uh, you know, it was all about time and motion, right? It's getting getting the food to the tables, uh, getting the, the drinks from the bar to the to the table, and then, you know, everything back to the to the dish pit and, you know, just cleaning up at the end of the night and, and, and having everything in its place. And I found that there was just, you know, no thought to it uh, most of the time. Now, I had the intention of going back for for designing restaurants. Uh, I'm doing that now, and I, 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 I really love it. But the process and the road to that was quite interesting because you got to learn residential design. You got to learn um, commercial design and um, you know, medical design, educational design, all that stuff. I found it really interesting, but it was always, always wanting to get to that, get to that re- the restaurant side, the hospitality side. Yeah, which was the very end of the three years that I did, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, you know, I, I did that. Absolutely loved it. My my professors were fantastic. And um, once I finished that, I got a job in Toronto right away. So I, I left Ottawa because there wasn't really um, a big sort of um, requirement uh, for uh, for a lot of restaurant designers. I mean, there there were a few there, and they're very good, but very small. So I moved uh, um, pretty much right after that to Toronto and got um, got uh, hired at a, a very uh, well-known design firm and um basically i put my head down put my head down for four years worked hard uh did some really good projects uh met some really interesting people but it was toronto and uh i was really missing the west coast so i had an opportunity to go back to whistler invest in a restaurant which i um basically sat in the corner of part of the restaurant and with my laptop and CAD, I designed it and ripped it apart, hired a contractor, rebuilt it to the new concept. Uh, I really enjoyed that and I really missed that. Uh, For the next year and a half, two years, I was back in the restaurant industry. I'm like, oh, how did I get back here again? And I was running a restaurant. I was managing. Um, I was bartending. I was waitering. I was bussing. I was hosting. I was um, washing dishes. I was cooking. Uh, I was doing everything. You were an entrepreneur, essentially, right? You were. You were I, I guess. What, what did they say? Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I really, really enjoyed that. And um, the, the the restaurant industry is is it's it's tough. It, it really is. And um, you know, looking back on it, if if I knew what I knew today, which you know a lot of people say, but if I had the tools and the information like we do now with podcasters, especially, um, I think I probably would have had a better chance of staying within that industry. And I got to give kudos to everybody in the hospitality business because it's tough and it's a day-to-day struggle. Um, I didn't want to do that again. And I wanted to get back into design because I, I loved that. 
and uh, back back in the day was around 2007 wasn't a whole lot going on in vancouver and i was looking for work down there couldn't find anything luckily i found a job in bermuda so i moved to bermuda worked there for four years worked with uh two uh architect firms that that had interior design departments and uh absolutely enjoyed uh being back in that realm again and the beaches weren't bad either so um yeah i i actually met my wife there and my, oh, my wow. oldest my oldest daughter uh was born there wow. but uh bermuda i met i had a lot of friends there i met a lot of really great people but canada was really where um my my wife and i wanted to be and and raise our children so you mean more specifically the west coast right back to the west coast <laughs> So, yeah, no, that's um, fair. That's fair. I mean, it's, it's the warmest place in Canada. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I wasn't going back to Ottawa because it was cold. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm mean, really, I'm really curious, you know, um, obviously number one, it takes a lot for, for someone to realize, you know, when you get to that 28, 30 year old, most people start questioning, is this the right career for me? You know, now you've been in, in your industry for, you know, five, 10 years kind of thing. And you start to question, do I want to do this long term? Did you already know that you had a little bit of a knack for not just the creative side, but, you know, I find as, as an interior designer, there's, it's almost like um, you're born with the skill to kind of visualize a concept. Do you know what I mean? Like, and kind of piece it all together. Do you, you understand what I'm trying to say? Did you already yeah, exactly. kind of know that you had that and that's what like made you lean towards the design side? Well, I think I think it was just from a young age. Uh, I was um, involved, or, or my parents put me into art classes. Uh, I did a lot of art classes. Uh, my mother uh, was um, really heavily into the uh, fashion industry. She um, she just loved fashion, and she worked, you know, in in uh, shopping malls, um, high high end fashion, uh, women's uh, retail stores. And, you know, I think, I think it's genetic um, for me uh, in, in, that, uh, in that aspect. Uh, not so much from my father, but uh, from, from my mother. I think the, the discipline I got from my father because he was Air Force. Um, but, you know, I started, I started working in a restaurant when I was 15 years old as a busboy. And, you know, that didn't go too well. Um, but, you know, I learned a lot. And then eventually I, I started bartending, uh, well, bar backing, if, they, uh, if you want to call it that, just doing service and really getting into the whole scene as an 18-year-old. And, you know, in Ontario, you can serve at 18, but, uh, but drink at 19. So I got kind of into, the, into that whole uh, restaurant um, atmosphere and really the, the fast pace uh, fast-paced aspect of that and I really I loved it I loved it and the people were just so much fun to, to be around and and I think from there I started you know thinking about how things work and how restaurants work and the one thing that I, I noticed after working a long shift was how much my back hurt and how much my my feet were were aching and and how my my actually my my knees were and and backs of my calves 
were were sore because of leaning over the the mm-hmm. you know putting my knees up against the speed rail to get the drinks it's like okay this shouldn't be happening right and just watching everybody out on the floor and and how they they needed to to go from one place to the other to get everything that they they need to get to the table and then from the table to the kitchen and from the kitchen to the table and and stocking the the side stations. Um, One example I always use uh, is, is, um, you know, there's one room that was, you know, pretty far from the kitchen. And this is, I'm talking like late eighties, right? This is, there's not a lot of thought put into restaurants at this point yeah. in time. I don't think. Well, well, didn't think. well, they thought that they put thought into the restaurants. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. So the one yeah. thing was if somebody wanted a tea, you couldn't actually go to the side stand there. You'd have to go all the way back to the kitchen because that's where the one coffee machine was. Mm-hmm. Right. So it would make sense for that coffee machine to be out there rather than in the kitchen. So, Little things like that really got me to thinking, well, there could be, um, you know, a little bit of thought put into just the little things. Mm -hmm. And it's the little things that really uh, add up in the end. So, again, time and motion. Yeah. It's 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 what it's all about. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm really curious, though. Uh, you mentioned um, when you when you got your first exposure to, you know, the interior design side in Toronto and the restaurant side. Like, what was uh, w- was there something that kind of reinforced that passion? Was it like a project or a mentor? You know, I'm I'm the reason why I asked that is for me. Like, I went to school for civil engineering, so mm-hmm. technically, you know, I could be a structural engineer. But one of my co-op jobs, I went to University of Waterloo. Um, I worked for a fairly large construction company doing estimating. And I wasn't sure. And then the next uh, co-op term, I went back. But this time, it was the same project, and they had me go on site. Now I started seeing these 2D drawings being built into 3D. And I was fascinated. (laughs) And it kind of was just like, this is, I don't want to just design it. I want to take it and put it up. You know what I mean? Like, even, even, I'm not physically doing it, but that's what kind of, kind of just said, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? Was there, was there something that kind of reinforced your belief that, you know what, you're on the right path? Well, yeah. I mean, um, so I'll mention the name of the company that I worked for. Uh, I basically won the lottery coming out of school and, um, uh, the company called, was called Yabu Pushelberg and a uh, very well-known Canadian uh, duo, mm-hmm. uh, George Yabu, Glenn Pushelberg. Mm-hmm. Um, they are fantastic people. Mm-hmm. They're just so down to earth and so talented. It's it's unbelievable. Um, you just don't know until you you talk to them um, and and just see how they they work. Um, the, the 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 people that they attracted um the talent amazing and being in a, a room of 60 designers and techs and technicians and and um you know uh, accountants and uh, project managers and all that the 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 talent was just i i i would look around and my jaw would drop mm-hmm. and there's there's one guy. He sat on the other side. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. I see his face, but he he basically whipped off ten 
black and white shade shadow renderings uh, in in a day, and they were pieces of art. Wow! Just so you know, you're just working away, and then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of a buzz where people are kind of going over, and and it's like, okay, what's going on? And you stand up, and I peered over, and and he, it was a masterpiece, and. It wasn't just him. There was other people just like him. And and just no ego. I mean, there's some people that had egos, but yeah. there wasn't there wasn't ego. It's just like let's let's create something beautiful. And that's what really um really kind of brought me in is is just the 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 passion for for that. I was just gonna say, you know, you you can tell when there's genuine passion and fake passion, right? And, you know, somebody's forcing the issue to be excited. But that that genuine passion can be so infectious. You know what I mean? Oh, it, absolutely. It, and it can, re- absolutely. it can really drive you to um, strive for, like, higher, loftier goals that sometimes you never expected of yourself, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's well put. Well put. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, th- that's that's how I feel sometimes too, right? Even, you know, sometimes, even like right now, you know, with the, with the lockdowns happening, you know, sometimes it feels over here in Ontario a little hard to get motivated because when you get some wins, it's like, an- you know, it feels like another one and another one. But, you know, one of my clients was just like, I don't know how, but he just started talking to me and just his passion. He's like, yeah, but I see what you're doing. And then just that passion just kind of, just re just reinvigorated you because you know you're trying to yeah. get to that finish line. We talked we we talked before this, you know about uh, what was it? Um, efficiency of time and efficiency of uh, of of cost, right? And you're trying to provide both of those, and with some of these stops, that you know, and so going back to like that passion, I find is 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 really really important, you know, uh, just to kind of get you to a higher level. Um, but you know, you you mentioned something a little bit earlier about you know the new uh, technologies. You mentioned um, Revit about how it can you know how the teams kind of work together. Um, do you actually find that now the different facets of a construct? And I say construction project because you know it goes right from you know preliminary conceptual design all the mm-hmm. way to execution. And warranty management after. Like, it's not just like one, you know, pe- people always think with construction is when you start and when you end, but really the process start from the conceptual design, but you still want something that's going to last because you don't want to, me as a contractor, I don't want to go back to keep fixing things. So it's always a fine balance, right? But do you find there's more collaboration with some of the technologies out there right now? Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, when it comes to the construction um, documentation, yes, uh, for sure. Uh, you're talking about warranties and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not just when you start thinking about a project and then, you know, in the case of a restaurant, um, it's open and that's it. It's not. It's not finished. Uh, you mentioned the, the warranty, um, you know, it's usually a year warranty after that. You gotta you gotta design for for the what you're what you're making it for. I mean, you cannot use residential chairs in a commercial setting. You just can't. Yeah. Right. And even though you know it's you know they're, they're a little cheaper because you can go to some store like Structube. Yeah. Hey, I've got Structube chairs. So do I. In, in my house. In my house. <laughs> they're yep. great. Yeah. But they're not going to last a week in yep. a in a restaurant. Yeah. Because people they don't care. 
uh, about the chairs. They, yeah. They're in there to eat uh, and they'll, you know, smash them around and it's just not going to last. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the, the technology will will help you with the documentation of that and, and the specifications, but it's the execution of, of those specifications. If you specify a chair, that's why, you know, There's we're, a we're designing. Yeah. yeah, we're designing for a commercial setting. We're going to choose a commercial chair. Flooring as well, right? We, we need to ensure that there's slip coefficients that are met to code. And um, sometimes, you know what? Uh, they're a little bit more expensive. Just recently, we had somebody switch it out. And it's cheaper, but you know what? It's not going to last as long. Yep. And we, we had to be absolutely sure that the, the slip coefficient was, was met because, hey, last thing you want is to have somebody slip on, uh, uh, you know, a spilled drink that nobody saw and they get hurt. Right. Yeah. You don't want that. You know, the biggest for me was not to do with that side, but it's still light fixtures. Uh, yeah. I like, I like to say uh, the home Depot discounts for light fixtures should not be used <laughs> on commercial projects. And and they keep telling me, but why it looks relatively the same. I said, well, you know, m- most of them are not CSA approved for commercial use. Right. And the second thing is your warranty is 30 days. So, but you know, they don't, they only understand that after, after they've probably bought the fixture and then it goes down. You know what I mean? Like, um, because they don't realize that, you know, a light, they might have to buy a hundred of them in your house. You might buy three. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's really up to us to, to sort of educate them on that Mm -hmm. uh, because they, a lot of the times they don't know and they're looking at the price point, Mm -hmm. but you know, if you're, if you buy a fixture at Home Depot and you buy a, a fixture through a commercial supplier, um, that light fixture will last 50 years. Yep. And in the end, you know, you probably have to buy 10 of those Home Depot fixtures to, to last as long, right? Do the math. It's going to cost you more. And you know, it's right? not just about buying. For me, uh, what people forget initially is is time is money as well. The time to go and buy it and pick it up and bring it back. And now a certain area is not lit. Like there's, there's a lot more to it than just saying, oh, you know what? Okay, so I might have to change a couple over X amount, X amount of years or whatever, right? When it comes to lighting, though, bro, it's, it's, it's the most important aspect of the whole uh, build. Yeah. I mean, you spend you're you're spending a lot of money, the client to to have some very interesting textural finishes, and and so forth. It's not. It doesn't make any sense if you can't see it, mm-hmm. right? And if you if you don't light it properly, then it's it's why why are you spending money on that that uh, design aspect? Um, so. I, you know what, I will, comp- I'll completely agree with you. Um, you know, no, no, I'm because I've, I've kind of been through a couple projects, um, and there, there were smaller projects, and you know, they, they replaced all the wall tiles and in, in, in washrooms, and they went to, a, you know, stacked vertical, so they were like skinny and long, mm-hmm. um, and we had to keep the same like drywall on there, but they didn't change any of the lights, so now you started seeing the shadows from the curvature of the tile because no tile is 100% perfect. Yeah. 
No. Um, so trying to bridge that gap was very challenging between the client and because I can't guarantee that you're not going to see anything. Even if I skim coat the wall, the tile can't be guaranteed to be 100%. So again, where the light falls on the tile will show shadows or not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Um, but they don't, they don't know that. Yeah. And we don't like... Why would we expect them to? Uh, That's why they've hired us as well. Exactly right. We're we're the experts in that field, and um, they're the experts in the field of you know restaurants or retail or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I mean, they've come to us for a reason. Um, let's not have an ego. Let's not be um, you know talk down to them about things. Mm -hmm. Let's have a, a civil conversation and go through the the what would happen if. Right. It's it's simple. It's a simple communication. And um, yeah, yeah, but, you know, I uh, I want to piggyback off that with a with another question. <laughs> it's uh, it's something that I struggle with as well. You know, in in in, in our age right now is a lot of of technology and information. Uh, do you feel that is the biggest stumbling stumbling block to kind of create that bridge uh, between, you know, interior designers, architects, and contractors? Because anyone can just jump on a, on a phone and read it on Google, and then they think that's gospel, right? You can find what you're looking for online if you really, you know what I mean? If you, if you type in the correct keywords, right? Absolutely. And, you know, in the age of this pandemic, when you have something that's wrong with you, you go to WebMD. It's probably the worst thing you can do, right? <laughs> Yep. It's the absolute worst thing you can do. It's like, oh, I got a bit of a headache. You go to WebMD. Oh, you've got a brain tumor. Wait <laughs> yeah. a second. Wait a second. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's the same thing. I don't watch HGTV. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, I used to. I used to be fun. Yeah. It used to be, you know, fun to watch. And, you know, the DIY, DIY network was great because they do it. Um, the age of, of uh, that, I mean, you, you can't do a kitchen reno in, in, in a weekend no. or in, in, in an hour, right? It's just not possible. Extreme home makeover, they used to do that in a week. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that, right? Uh, yeah. It could have been a week, it but been a you week. know what? Hey, um, it, it's it's tough when, when uh, you know, everybody's in front of the computer and everybody's, you know, uh, watches HGTV and, and they're an expert. Um, hey, you know what? I'm sure you get a lot of really good tips on that, but we've gone to school for, for years and we have years of experience and we've got, you know, um, people that we, we've spoken to uh, in teams, different, different um, you know, mm -hmm. consultants, uh, different realms of design, like you, mm -hmm. a, a contractor, you have some very, very good information um, that when you share it, it makes us smarter mm -hmm. uh, and vice versa. And architects and, and engineers, I mean, we all have gone to school and, and, and taken those courses and learned from top uh, professors and educators. Mm -hmm. And then we go out in the world and, and we start doing our thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna knock anybody 
on HGTV. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's entertainment. I think that's the difference. I think I think people have to start recognizing when they when they watch it on TV, it's entertainment because those shows, in order to be continuously be on, have to make money. So they have to make it seem like it's exciting or there's drama yeah. or whatever the case might be, right? Yeah, and 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 it is. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, um, I I have an old friend of mine. Uh, I went to university with. Um, her name's Sarah Richardson, uh, and um, I don't think she went to school for interior design, but she's phenomenal. Like she is just such a good um, a designer, and to to work with somebody like that is um, um, few and far between. I mean, Brian Balmer as well. I've met him, and and he's he's got a lot of you know drama, and um, and that's what makes people watch it, right? But he he built stuff, and he he was building it before he got into into shows like that. So I mean, yeah, uh, they're 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 really good at what they do. Yeah. But just because they're really good at what they do doesn't mean you're an instant expert because you you um, you you watch them. I mean, there's lots of really good uh, uh, takes from shows like that. Um, but you know, if you want something built. Uh, you got to talk to uh, interior designers. Uh, you got to talk to contractors. You got to talk to architects, um, design builders, and even you know what decorators. Um, they they do good work as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to knock decorators. I just think it's important for for um, the the general public to understand what a decorator can do and what an interior designer can do, because there are limitations. And even yeah. for us, there's limitations because, you know, we can't do what architects can do or we can't do what engineers can do. But you take everybody together and we all have our, our lanes and we all contribute in a team atmosphere, right? And we get to the end product, right? And 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 it's the collaboration that is key. Um my uh, my the principal at our office, uh, Doris Hager, um, she uh, she got into blog writing and she just loves writing blogs. I, I think I know which one you're talking about. I read that one. I, I found it fascinating. I love the analogy. But go ahead, yeah. Right. So yeah. so there she was talking about um, you know how architects and interior designers work together like uh, like an orchestra, and and how uh, we're the string section and they're the the conductor. Um, it, it works both ways, actually. I, I, I was kind of, you know, laughing at, at the, the, the analogy of, uh, of um, an orchestra. And my, the other, the, the business partner, uh, Zandro Tamalioan, he's, he's an artist. Um, he's, a, he's a musician. And he actually laughed about, about how she used those analogies. But in the end, I mean, it, it's, it's, um, it, it's pretty spot on. And we, we, we need to work together. And we need to uh, do that collaboration. I say that word so many times, but it is—it's exactly that. It's communication. It's talking, and it's—it's it's, uh, uh, again just getting to that end end game uh, of creating a beautiful space that uh, people are proud of, uh, and is is used as you know a tool for for their trade. Um, I had I had a, a an owner. Um, when I was a manager in, in Whistler, and uh, his name was Mario Anero, and he was a, a very uh, prominent restaurateur in Whistler. 
And I remember the first thing, one of the first things he said to me when I when he brought me on as a, a manager is he, he says, first, you have the food, then you have the service, then you have the atmosphere. All the rest after that are mechanics, right? And the atmosphere is what we do. That's mm-hmm. what we create. And it's top three, right? It's not food, it's not service, but it's the atmosphere. And and the atmosphere is the, the place and that the food and service work together with that to create the ambiance mm-hmm. and, and the energy of that space. I've been into many dives in Toronto, like diners. Love them. Yep. Absolutely love them. They're they're gross, right? But they're perfect yeah. because you're eating, you know, greasy eggs and bacon. You're not having a high-end steak in you know no. what I mean? <laughs> but that's perfect yep. for that. Yep. Right? Yep. And and yeah, I mean, it's uh, getting back to it. It's what are you designing for? Who are you designing for? And what is the team that you need to get it done? And code, code is the biggest thing. I know. Um, I, I I read on your on your profile on the website that uh, what uh, what what what's um, what's a bigger <laughs> passion, building code or wine? <laughs> uh. Wine, definitely yeah, wine. Definitely wine. I, think, <laughs> I think I think the code drives you to wine. Yeah, but uh, you know, code's there for a reason. Yeah. It's for for safety. Yeah, and uh, um, it, it has to be has to be done. There's no cutting corners when it comes to that. No, uh, no. code for for safety and and code for universal design because uh, everybody needs access, no matter what state uh, of. Um, of physical physical state you're in mm-hmm. you need we're all human and we need to uh, enjoy the same spaces and it's it's tough it's tough for um for us to design especially when the washrooms are getting bigger yeah and the uh accessible paths of travel are getting wider and, and you still have to try to maintain the uh the number of seats because obviously that drives whether it's you know they're you know, the restaurant's profitability at the end of the day, right? Well, it's, that's all changing. Yeah. That's all changing yeah. these days, yeah. right? It's, uh, it's, it's less and less about the dining room yeah. and it's more and more about the kitchen, yeah. especially with QSRs, yeah. you know, restaurants, uh, in, in store dining, uh, fast, not fast food, uh, fine dining. I mean, it's all about the, the, uh, in the, the sitting in mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that, because we all know that, uh, fine, like fine dining food doesn't travel well. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't. But, I mean, the pandemic has really, um, it's done a number on the hospitality industry. And I'm, I'm not saying that in a, uh, in a bad way. I mean, it, it, it's kind of in a bad way because of all the loss of, of jobs and, and, and such. But, I mean, it's really, uh, it's really sort of provoked thought and there's a lot of restaurateurs out there that have risen to the challenge. And there's a lot of, um, you know, support from each other. And I, I'm basically in the hospitality industry uh, in, in design. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning from those people, podcasters like yourself mm-hmm. um, or consultants. Uh, I listen to podcasters in the UK in Australia, yeah. in the U.S., in Canada, yeah, um, you know, where else can I go? <laughs> and you know, and and it's funny enough during the pandemic, I feel like, especially in the hospitality, but I think it can branch out into other industries as well. 
everyone's having the same issues no matter where you are in the world, right? Correct. Uh, because Correct. of the pandemic, right? I mean, have you, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, right? I mean, how has design kind of changed in Vancouver and in, in the restaurant hospitality? I know over here, you know, we've gone through reader designs on some of our restaurants focusing more on, you know, either like ghost kitchens or, you know, commissary styles or, you know, more emphasis on like takeout boots and that kind of stuff. Because no one knows when your interiors are going to be fully set up for indoor dining, right? Well, I mean, the design out here hasn't changed much from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 all pretty much the same. Um, what I'm finding is that uh, there's a lot of discussions about how pandemic how the pandemic has changed the design mindset, and it's all about mindset these days. Um, I think that the hospitality industry has been around for a very long time and will continue to be around for a very long time. Um, I don't think that there's going to be uh, a world of of ghost kitchens. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't believe that because the human nature requires interaction. And I think people for the social aspect want to go out and, uh, and enjoy other people's company, um, friends, family, and strangers, right? Yeah. It's just, it's human nature. I don't think that um, the dining room is going to completely go away. There's going to be, you know, um, there's going to be concepts that will limit it or or get rid of it, like the ghost kitchen. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to go away completely. But what I'm finding is that you design for normal because we're going to get back there, yep. no matter what. We're going to get back there. But I think the the there has to be um, a thought of what happens if, you know, what if there's another pandemic in 10 years, right? Or even less or even more. You need to be able to adjust your uh, surroundings and your interiors to meet that and ensure that if it's a 50% capacity that you're, you're getting that 50% capacity. There's not, you know, you know, screens that are thrown up and hanging from T-bars and stuff like that. It just doesn't look good. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think you have to design for for future uh, instances and 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 stuff like that. But I mean, the the design is is sure it's it's getting a little bit more heavy on the kitchen aspect because of the takeout, of the curbside, yeah. of the pickup, yeah. you know, of third party, uh, of whatever is going to come it's it's like a crystal ball yeah right what's coming next and you really don't know uh unless you're you have that crystal ball but you can speak to other people and and learn from others and 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 communicate and And try different things and see what could potentially uh work not just now but like you mentioned into the future right Right. And, and try things that people have tried. And sometimes it might not work for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, for me, I, I completely agree with you, especially on the strangers part. You know, it's, you know, right now, obviously, we can Zoom with our friends and that, especially here because we're still in like the stay at home order and stuff. But I feel like going out to a restaurant or a bar and just that background noise of that hum of people, um, 
I know I personally miss it. So even like just strangers around, like it's just one of those things that you, you never realize that you, what's that old saying? You never realize what you miss until it's gone <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, and, and I think you're right. I, th- I don't think the hospitality industry is actually going to, going to fail. Maybe some of the establishments might as a result of it, uh, as a result of what's going on right now. And that's, I think that's the really, um, unfortunate part, right? I mean, we were talking earlier about uh, cost, cost and supply chain issues. And, you know, that's just adding another wrench into, you know, entrepreneurs and restaurateurs who want to kind of, you know, they have an idea and it's like the price I give them today might not be the same in two weeks because there might be another price increase, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had that we had that conversation yeah. before, this and and it's it's really tough. It's tough for um, it's tough for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you you price something, and then they take uh, the clients will take a month to get back to you and say, okay, um, we like that price, and then you're like, it's not the price anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what do you mean? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, um, you know, the this the chairs. I'm gonna go back yeah. to chairs. Chairs that we originally quoted, same chairs. They were a hundred dollars. Now they're two hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, why is that? Well, <laughs> because cost of wood went up, or yeah. or tariffs, yeah. or you know, there's a, a boat that sunk off the coast of wherever. You know, yeah. Wherever. Yeah. That's that's just the way it is. So, I mean, you got to act on it, and. and I think it's going to be, um, it's going to have effect on how you're going to do business, right? Like, okay, if you're okay with this price, we order everything right now. So it's cash upfront, get it ordered. So at least, you know, we've got the cost of it covered. The transportation is a whole different story, right? Because yeah. who knows what's going to happen with gas? Who knows what's going to happen with the borders? Yeah. Yeah. Who who knows? But you know, even if we, I I do the same thing now actually, and I tell my clients, they're like, "Oh, where are we going to put it?" I said, "Trust me, even if we store it in a storage, like a paid storage covered one for a couple of months, it's going to be cheaper than the price increase." <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you have any room? Yeah. Do you have any room in your garage? That's right. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's anywhere. I mean, that's just the reality of 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 what it is right now to secure to secure some prices right but you know i but i i think with time i hope at least my hope is prices will come down and stabilize a little bit i know you mentioned gas i hope it's not like gas that now it's gone up it's just gonna stay there because you know obviously that would change that would change a lot of projections and 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 how we do things and what we want to do but i guess i guess time will tell right absolutely yeah. Yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm also really curious over there as opposed to over here. I know BC is is pretty big on sustainability and stuff. Like, do you do you get a lot of opportunity incorporating some of the sustainability side in terms of materials or building practices into some of your designs for restaurants? Um, that's just a curiosity question for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sustainability is um, uh, it's been around for for quite some time, and uh, again, it's. It's it's not uh, it's it's going to last for for a long time. Um, when I was in university for uh, geography, uh, I, I basically you know focused on urban physical geography. And back back in the day, I think it was nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine. There was a, a a book that came out. Um, I 
can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was all about sustainability and what it is. It coined the term sustainability. Uh, Our Common Future is the name of the book. Um, and uh, basically, it was it was it was um, de- defined as you know not uh, using what we have today and not sacrificing future generations, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's it, it's a beautiful thing. It really is because we got to look out for our, our children and children's children, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, when it comes to sustainability, I mean, anything that we put into a space is is taken out of out of the the whole scheme of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're we're human beings. We we need um, we need to to cover ourselves with with materials. Um, it's it's how you go about, you know, sourcing those materials. Uh, recyclability is is always. Uh, you know, at, 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 at the, the forefront of your thought, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to like office, if you can use recycled uh, carpet or recycled um, steel to to uh, put into the systems furnitures, or you know, using LED lighting, um, and you know, the circular economy is definitely. Um, something that needs to really be looked at when it comes to uh, sustainability on a higher level, like uh, lead sustainability, lead, um, you know, platinum, uh, gold, uh, silver, and and um, the other one. Yeah. It's it, it, it's it's really expensive, to be yeah. honest with you. It is. It really is, and you really have to buy into that. If you don't buy into it. And you don't want to spend the money, then it's it's kind of useless. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, uh, I I had my lead green associate designation for ten years, and I just stopped doing it. Um, it's it's not helping uh, the business because uh, we're not a lead certified. Well, nobody's lead certified, certified. but yeah. um, we we don't do a lot of lead. Uh, projects yeah we can yeah but we need to get experts in the field involved <laughs> to guide us mm-hmm. um i mean i'll pick paints with low voc any day of the week because yeah. it makes sense um if i can find uh, a tile that uh, maybe a granite that's sourced from uh vancouver island that fits in the concept I'll do it. Or like right? a reclaimed brick or whatever. The- Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But, um, I mean, there's there's other companies out there that uh, architects and, and uh, designers that, that specialize in that. So if you're looking for that, um, then right. they're probably um, a, a good go-to. But Yeah, there's some good companies as well. I think there was, there's one I think they're based in, in BC as well, Unibuilders. I don't know if you've heard of them. But I basically they... Uh, they were on Shark Tank and stuff. So basically, they go into an existing building that needs to be demolished, and they will take out the bricks and salvage the bricks to get reused. They will take beams and unbolt them and reuse them instead of you know the old method of the you know the anvil and right. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, my best friend from high school. He lives up in Squamish. And uh, he has a, a dismantling company. It's not a demolition; it's a dismantling company. Yeah. So he um, uh, he takes like 
he'll go into a house and he'll take the beams out. He'll take all the nails out. He'll take all the wood studs Mm -hmm. and he'll take all the nails out, right? Recycle the nails, but store the The wood studs because it can be gold now. Yeah, it's gold now. It's it's gold right now. (laughs) Yeah. So um, he he consciously dismantles. Yeah. So he's he's trying to to stop the flow of uh, construction waste into the landfill which you and i both know is a major it's huge uh, yeah it's yeah, it's, it's, it's massive it's, it's massive that's that's the yeah that's the only the only way to 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 look at it but it you know it's really fascinating though a lot of the different ideas that people are kind of pushing with these days especially i find now during the pandemic they say even in what was it? I can't remember the stat now. And they said in 2009, when they had that uh, financial crisis, it gave rise to so many of the multi-million and billion-dollar companies now. So I'm very curious, ten years from now, to see who's come up with some of the ideas because they they had to come up with something new. I'm mm-hmm. curious to see in the next five, ten years who's going to be kind of pushing the envelope, right? Well, you're talking about like reusing the brick. So mm-hmm. when I was in school, in design school at, at uh, Algonquin College in Ottawa, um, there was a, uh, a an MEC that was being built, and it actually went into uh, it, it took over a building that um, you know was a market, and they went, they kept the guts. Of the of of the building itself, they tore down all the brick. They recycled that and reused it somewhere else. The terrazzo flooring they kept, mm-hmm. right? So they they patched it where it needed patching, but they kept it all. They didn't squander money on new tile or no ripping reason. it all out yeah. because it's actually you know if terrazzo done properly is actually beautiful. Yeah, but they they also um, you know came up with ideas like uh, I beams. Where they they took uh, you know the the wide I beams and made them into studs, exterior wall studs. So they're they're like twelve or sixteen inches deep, mm-hmm. and they they created this uh, you know stud work and put hay bales in it for for insulation, and that was one whole wall. Wow! So they did that. They kept the terrazzo. They recycled all the brick. Um, I, I don't know the exact numbers of the brick that went into the, into the garbage, but I mean, there are a lot of broken pieces, yeah. but you know, they can be ground up and used as, used as fill for something. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, it's a lot of this stuff's been done Yeah, and it's just being accelerated because uh, of the, the sustainability uh, aspect of, yeah. you know, let's, let's not, let's use what we've got. Yeah. It's easy just to jump on on a supplier's website and just buy new, buy new. You know what I mean? I mean that's. I mean I I, I I'm guilty of it doing it personally too, right? Uh, and and sometimes it's just changing that mindset to say, hey, let's try something different. Let's see what's out there we can kind of reuse, right? Just just think about it. Yeah. I mean, we're doing. A, I'm doing a QSR actually just down the road from where I am, and um, it was a it was an old. Um, you know, ice cream place, uh, frozen yogurt place. And um, they left, they closed up shop and, and left. And uh, we're reusing the three comp sink. We're using the mop yeah. sink. I mean, they're in perfect condition. Why not? Why get rid of it and bring in a new one? Because yeah. just because, yep. Well, you design yeah. kind of around it, right? Like, hey, you can save, you can, why not, right? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in the whole scheme of QSRs <laughs> and stuff like that, three comp sink is generally the same. Yep. 
far. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, what's so what's uh, what's next for you? What's next for Hager? Are you guys uh, working on anything fun coming up that we'll see in the in the coming months? Uh, well, we uh, that you can share. On, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you a really quick story sure. about um, about uh, the last couple years that um, you know I've been I've been on I've been asked to to be on sit on panels uh, design panels. And uh, uh, Glenn Brewer uh, from Midgley Technica, I'm going to give him a shout out. Uh, he's he's doing a great job by by helping to educate suppliers as to what interior designers do. Now, it's not just me on the panel. Uh, actually, there was one instance where I was the only one on the panel because the other two were sick. Um, but uh, he's brought in, you know, different designers uh, from different you know, design design realms like residential, commercial, uh, hospitality, and and basically had a, a panel discussion where we share how we work with suppliers, and and how suppliers can help us, and how he, we can help suppliers. Now we we at Hager, and I'm not sure uh, if other companies do this um, as well. Is we when we do a project. We're very, um, we're very careful on on who uh, we we let know is the client, mm -hmm. because in the past we've had somebody go to the client around us, and and we don't think that's uh, that's right. Mm -hmm. uh, but we 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 rely on the on the suppliers because they're they're again the experts in their field, um, tile, uh, LVT, um, ceiling tile, you know fabrics drapery, all that stuff. We look to them uh, for, you know, getting into the, the down and dirty, um, you know, information on on the, the specs and, and um, you know, code requirements, flammability, uh, slip coefficient, slip resistance, stuff like that, wearability, all that stuff. So um, we, we have these conversations and when we when we have a, a project, it's Project X and it's Project Y, mm -hmm. and it's like this is what we're we're pulling together. So can you help us out? And they do. And then when it goes out for bid, then we let them know, right? Because the question is, do you let the contractors know too? Because uh, uh, who the client is, or is it just Project X as well with the contractor? No, no. I mean, <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm using no. a res I'm using a residential analogy, right? Like you yeah, go to no, the higher no. end neighborhood, all of a sudden there's a there's a surcharge because you're like, oh, they can, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, um, I mean that that's a whole different conversation <laughs> yeah. with contractors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but the suppliers, uh, I think it's it's again the communication uh, is is good to have and and mm -hmm. just back and forth and because you know the suppliers they do a lot of legwork mm -hmm. and they and and it's really up to us to to really uh enforce um using the project because a lot of contractors like to say hey you know this tile is you know three bucks a square foot i can get it from i can get it from my i've got an alternate can you approve it it looks yeah, roughly yeah. the same <laughs> yeah my my cousin my cousin Vinny down uh, has a tile store and yep. he can he can get the same thing yeah air quotes air quotes the same yeah. thing for for uh half the price yeah so i mean we we create concepts that work together mm -hmm. once you 
once you change one thing, the whole dynamic of that concept can be changed. So we like we like to to really enforce um, that with contractors. Um, you know, we're we're a design firm. We're not a design build. Um, generally, the way that we work is design bid build, mm-hmm. and it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. And once we partner with a contractor, I kind of like to think that we're a design build firm. Mm-hmm. Um, one instance, uh, again, going back to Doris Hager's blog, was um, you know getting people on board early. And if you know a lot of hotel work that we do down in the U.S., uh, which is you know we, we can speak to that later, um, we um, <clears throat> we like to be in early uh, as designers. So the architects they'll do all the massing and they'll do very simple layouts, uh, and then they go. And then they bring the designer in later and say, okay, this is what we got. It's like, well, can we can we help you out here? Because <laughs> yeah. can we just move this? And all of a sudden it's like, no, because these are our walls, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes, you know, tough to to, to work with um, the, the architect or the client when things weren't thought out originally. And... I'm not saying that all architects don't know what to do when it comes to interiors. A lot of them do, uh, but I think the collaboration, again, that word, needs to happen. And to bring a, even a contractor on early as well, if you know the, the, the architect and the designer have worked with that contractor and feel that they are a good fit for that project and are capable of doing sense. It, yeah. I think, I think we get everybody together mm-hmm. and even going further with the yep. engineers, yep. mechanical, electrical, plumbing, structural, seismic sprinkler. Yep. Hey, let's get a yep. team together and, and do that. Right. No, I, uh, you know what? 100%, not, not all projects are meant to be in the, um, well, when I say like the construction management side or the, you know, the collaboration right from the start, you, you'd like that to happen. But for that to happen, you're right. There has to be that working relationship, that trust from all sides, because you have to know how you work with all the, all, all the pieces to get to that end goal. But you're right. Once the design goes out and it goes out to bid, me, me as a contractor, you know, I still feel that the architect, the engineer, the interior designer, we're still all part of the team because for us, I always like to ask a lot of questions because sometimes the drawings can tell a lot, but sometimes it can't give that finer detail on design intent. Agreed. Do you, do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, sorry, it can give you the design intent, but not necessarily the design finished look that you're looking for. So having that open communication and collaboration for that, uh, I guess, uh, desired outcome i think is the most important no matter no matter if it's like a design bid build or design build or construction management i think that that unified end goal has to be the same yeah and i mean it's 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 an example you know uh we design um uh, a bench or a banquette and generally i mean i i like to i like to get into detail uh, but I don't need to, right? We'll do minimal and we'll ask for shop drawings, right? Because we're not actually building it. And 
all the mill workers, you know, the end product is the same, but they have their own ways of building things, right? Uh, what kind of, of um, you know, springs to use. Uh, um, we like to specify the foam mm-hmm. if necessary, of yeah, course, the that, fabrics. Yeah. And, and, and just the, um, you know, the... But the guts, the bones of it that provides the structure. Right? The guts of it yeah. doesn't matter to us, right? As yeah. long as it's it, it uh, will last. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where the expertise of the mill worker, right, comes into, into play. Yeah. And we know what it's supposed to look like. You know what it's supposed to be, how, how it's supposed to be built. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with, you know, say a QSR... Um, you know, build out that we've worked with uh, one one company, and I was just actually talking to uh, the the site foreman, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, we had to do this, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this if this is okay, because you know we've done this before yeah. in another location. Yeah. So once you once the familiarity of it um, is, is there, is, is, is there easier, right?" It is much easier, yeah. and you know, uh, as as per spec is one of those as per spec and <laughs> drawings was something. Yeah. I just read just recently, um, and I mean, it, it. Hey, you know, we're not perfect. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not perfect. Architects are not perfect. We're, we're all humans um, doing the job, right? I mean, we're, we're all we're all have, humans. Yeah. Right. And we're we're doing the best that we can, yeah. but let's let's uh, let's just lose the ego and 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 have each other's backs mm-hmm. and really uh, say okay, don't don't point fingers, yeah, right, and help each other out, yeah. Um, nothing worse than saying I don't I don't mean to point fingers, but <laughs> you point well, you're kind of pointing fingers, at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we're we're all in the same team, yeah. That that's the thing. I think I think now um, I know I. I, I, I didn't do a count of the number of times you said collaborative or collaboration <laughs> in this uh, on the on the show, but uh, but, you, but you know, right? I I do feel there's so much more emphasis on uh, collaboration now as opposed to when when I started in the industry um, almost 20 years ago in constru- on the construction side. I found sometimes it was a little like client and architect designer contractor and then contractor was like we were like that. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm a middle child, so I'm gonna use that analogy. I, I felt like the contractor, like, was like the middle child, where you know the older one points down, the younger one points up, and it's always the middle one's fault. <laughs> but but I really feel uh, now, especially, we're kind of we're really trending in a much more collaborative uh, kind of environment, and I'm finding that uh, everyone seems to be much better off just mentally. Just they seem much happier working in that in that space. Right. Yeah, and technology uh, again, not just the the the, the um, drafting programs. Yeah. But it's the it's the file sharing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's that. I mean, there's there's it's lots of so programs out there. So many. <laughs> yeah. You know what what do you want to use? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's 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 endless. It it right? it, re- it really is, especially for contractors. There's so many out there, so many out yeah. there, right? So, no, but uh, you know, thanks so much, Carl. This has been uh, pretty fantastic. But you know, if any of our listeners wanted to get a hold of you or learn more about Hager, um, how can how can they get a hold of you? How can they how can they reach out? Well, first of all, Ro, I want to thank you for having me on your show, and um, I think it's uh, it's it's you know, the future for, for design and, uh, and contracting and, and all, all that are, are, it's, it's looking good. And 
I'm I'm really I, I, I'm really excited to uh, to work with um, you know teams like yours, um, and yeah, I just uh, it's it's exciting. Um, to, in order to get in touch with us, you can go to uh, our website hagerinc.com h-a-g-e-r-i-n-c.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You can uh, reach me on on there, and of course, all the social media, um, the usual stuff. <laughs> the usual, <laughs> the stuff. usual stuff. Yeah, we connected on LinkedIn as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember how uh, how we connect. I think it was to uh, was it Doug? Uh, yeah, it was yeah. Doug Radke at Radke Hospitality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another excellent podcast. Yeah, I know, yeah. He's consultant. he's doing pretty well as well, right? We we connected yeah. quite a few years ago. So uh, no, yeah. it's it's been absolutely fantastic. I love having these these conversations because it's like. I learn more and more about your side, you know what I mean, as as right. I as I grow in my business as well and in my field and everything else. So it's always interesting to see how similar um, some of our challenges and victories are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Victories, yes. Yeah, lots of victories. <laughs> lots of hopefully. victories. That's right. You got it. You got it. I appreciate it very much.